Why do my players think I hate them? Steve, that's a terrific question. And I got to ask it back to you. Did you ever feel that way? Will you pass me the diffuser? The, the diffuser? Sorry, what do you need I, the diffuser for? Sorry, I didn't answer your question, but I... <laughs> This That's is, what Matt, what do you want the diffuser for? I just feel the electrons, the vibrations are out of control right now. This is <laughs> a little an, bit. This is an emotionally charged yeah, it is. subject that we're dealing with. Very. Very for but for everybody involved. It's emotionally charged for for parents, for players, for coaches. Like and, and this time of year especially. We're getting down to it. It's February. We're getting winter sports. Winter they, sports are wrapping up. Yeah, the drill, the drill going. teams are going drill to their competition. States. Yeah, Cheer it, just had uh, states. Drama programs are there. The plays are on. They're going on the stage. Basketball's ramp, ramping up for playoffs. Emotional time of the year, isn't it? If you're driving right now, you need to pull over, put on your hazard lights, <laughs> and do some breathing. Uh, I feel better now. See, there's your diffuser. Yeah. So this, this episode, we're, we're excited to bring this episode because we jump on, where are, we, where are we picking up today? Well, we are, last week we had My Coach Hates Me. Yes. And we, if, so if you haven't listened to that, I would highly recommend that you push pause on this. Go back to last week's episode, number 30. Listen to My Coach Hates Me and then come back to and join us here. But we're going to look at this from the coach's perspective. Yeah. And I go ahead. You were. Well, I, I was I was just going to say two things. One, before we even get started with this, we want to acknowledge that whatever you're feeling as a parent listening to this, as a player listening to this, as a coach listening to this, what you're feeling is is important and significant. And we want to honor each one of you for the hard work that you've put in to get to this point. Because when emotions get high, it's usually because people are doing something they care a lot about. You're invested. Absolutely. And every person listening to this is invested in this. And if you're feeling the emotions, we honor you for being in a situation where you've worked hard and you care enough to be here looking to get better. Some so, people don't invest. Yeah, and but so they don't they, care. And they don't care. So right. you have no investment. You have a lot of apathy and they don't get to experience what I consider are some of these golden moments in life where where we're tested yeah. and where we you know we're striving for something and it's uh, especially well you and I are we're although you you are into golf I mean golf masquerades as a team sport because you combine scores Golf's but so fun like that because it's a beautiful team slash individual sport it's it's true anyway yeah different topic different day but we do want to honor you for for what's going on here, because this is an emotional issue. And the most, our goal is to help provide some perspectives today that may help you diffuse the powerful emotions you're feeling. Because if those emotions are in the driver's seat, that's when bad things happen to good people all around. That's where, you know, coaches, parents, players, we don't make the best decisions when we're super fired up emotionally. And so diffusing those emotions is critical and perspective is one of, if not the best diffuser of emotion. I agree. Can we address the elephant in the room? Yes. The actually, can we address- The actual elephant that's in the room. Can we actually address the blind men and the elephant in the yes. room? Yes. Yeah. If, if you're not familiar with the blind men and the elephant 
it's a really powerful metaphor that gets used a lot for helping understand how important perspectives are. And it's it's like an old Indian it's an tale. Indian yeah. fable. You want to tell us a little bit more about it? Well, it's just, I mean, it's a metaphor that it helps illustrate the the whole concept of having a limited view and perspective. You have Wikipedia open over there, don't you? No, I don't. I, <laughs> I actually... I actually... You sounded so official. I thought I was hearing a book. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sitting with Mr., you know, PhD version of everything, so I want to... Well, you you impressed me. Very well done. But anyway, the the elephant in the room is this. The blind man, the elephant, you get six blind men, they all come up. They've never seen an elephant, obviously. Um, They've never been... They've just heard of it. So they go to visit the sultan, and he's got an elephant. And so the six blind men all end up grabbing a different part of the elephant and then describing to the others what they're experiencing. And then they have this big fight about what an elephant actually is. One puts the hand on the trunk, the tusk, the side, the tail. The legs. Yeah, and so you have all these different perspectives and none of them are wrong. They're all describing the same thing. They're just grabbing a different part of the elephant. And it's only when they have a conversation about it that they're actually able to get a clearer picture of what's going on. So it's a super powerful metaphor for for understanding a really complex emotional issue, which is the parent, player, coach dynamic and so perspectives valuable. So as we are, we we want to keep that in mind yes. because we're going to be looking at some different perspectives. Yep. In fact, what what would you say is I wow I sound like I'm a teacher now. I feel, I feel like I'm wow. about ready to go to the whiteboard and write today's objective Do is, what is, our, what is our objective, Nate? What is our goal for uh, parents, players, coaches alike, whoever's listening to this? What do we want them to get out of this episode? Perspective, more than anything else. The ability to look at this problem from somebody else's perspective. So a coach, step back and see it from the parent and the player's perspective. Players, Step back and see it from your parents and from the coach's perspective. And parents, look at it from the, the coach's perspective. It's probably easiest for parents to see it from their player's perspective. Um, but seeing the coach's perspective really would be beneficial for the parents. Wow, in, that, this is surprising to me because I thought our goal was going to be, I'm right, you're wrong. No. no, It's that, not? That's the problem. That's the one. If you start chasing that, that's when the emotions get really hot and bad things happen to good people. That's why I asked for you to uh, pass the diffuser. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to need some diffusing. And please understand, I don't know if we want to call it an official trigger warning, but <laughs> it's we're, we're not trying to invalidate anybody's point of view with this because everybody is experiencing this different. In fact, first story I would love to share, uh, when I was, the last time I was a head varsity coach, um, didn't end the best. And I didn't get a lot of direct feedback on what had gone on. So I had to do a lot of introspection. And at some point I landed on this idea of my players felt that I hated them and I had to ask why. And that was a really hard conversation for me to have with myself because I always felt as a coach that I loved my players, I cared about them, and I was trying to do my best to help them out. And I feel like I, I let some of them down. And that, that's hard for me to get to, but it helped me to develop a valuable perspective in trying to see things from all the way around, looking at it from a different point of view. And the one thing I wish everybody involved in my situation would have understood, including me, is that the other people involved 
are probably doing the very best they can. Like that's a really great what? gift you can give to anybody involved is that assume they're doing the best that they can. Parents, as hard as it might be, what if that coach is really doing the very best that they can? Would you treat them different? And coaches, players, everybody, look at everybody involved, assume they're doing the best that they can. And it changes the feeling of the whole conversation. That's a powerful perspective right there. Well, I, I love that one. I've, I've learned a lot from thinking like that. I talk to my students at school about that, um, where sometimes they'll get on, well, my parents this, my parents, well, what if you looked at this and, and felt that your parents were actually doing the very best they could because they love you? Because you want your parents to feel that way about you, don't you? And they always have to be like, yeah, because that's their beef is, well, my parents don't think I'm trying hard or my parents are, are you are you giving your very best? What if your parents treated you that way? And it's it creates a real dynamic shift for them. And like you can physically see it. I physically see it in my students when I invite them to do that because they look back. and They're like, wow, my parents really are doing the best they can. You've made me think of a situation I was in where. I absolutely was doing something that I, and I still to this day feel it was like for the best yeah. for our, our team. It, it actually came up at dinner last night. Uh -huh. We were uh, af after a game last night, and this was a pretty cool experience for me and many players. We, they did a little 25th anniversary for the boys basketball team. And uh, hard to believe we were a new school 25 years wow. ago. and. And That's uh, a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting gray, but former players and coaches were invited back. And uh, yeah, I know you would have been there uh, to yeah. represent your time as, as my assistant, but you were, you were at an, at another game. I was currently coaching. You were currently coaching, but it was really cool. We had a lot of players come back and they did a little thing at halftime and, and uh, it was really, it was really awesome. And, talking with old players and seeing them. And, and we went out to dinner. There was a small group of us that uh, went out to dinner. And, and uh, if I'm yawning, it's because like we, we were out till one in the morning <laughs> and just telling stories and tall tales. And it was so fun. But Purple Heart came up mm -hmm. at dinner and there were just smiles all around the <laughs> table as this Purple Heart. And, and I was trying to think, I think we only did Purple Heart. I, I honestly believe I did it less than five times yeah. my entire 20 years as a head coach. And I learned it from, a, from a, another coach that's uh, out of state. And I adapted it for our team. And it's designed for your best teams. Mm -hmm. Like it is designed to challenge and test your best teams. And I only used it with my best teams. It wasn't something that was done every season. There were some years where it was never done. Most years. Where so it was, it was almost like done. a compliment when you do it. Yes. But for the teenage brain, it was viewed <laughs> as a punishment. And I mean, the reason why it was called Purple Heart is, I mean, the person I learned it from, it was called Black Heart, but that oh, was wow. their school colors. And our school colors were purple, purple, black, and silver. And I just thought, you know, black, black heart sounds terrible. That sounds cold. <laughs> just, that does sound me. <laughs> it just sounds like that sounds terrible. And so I went with purple heart because that was one of our uh, school colors. I just thought, 
you know, it matches up. I, no disrespect to military right. service members who actually, you know, have earned a real Purple Heart. But I just, we went with Purple Heart, had it printed on a sheet, just a big Purple Heart. And I just posted, I remember the first time, I just posted it on the whiteboard in where they would see like the practice plan and mm-hmm. um, just put a Purple Heart up and didn't say anything. And then at the end of practice, it explained what it is. And basically what it is, is like a 15 to 20 minute additional conditioning period. Nice. That involves some actual basketball skill and there's levels to it. And you have to complete the levels and they're taxing physically. Like it, it is hard. It's, it's not easy. And you have to complete this certain level. When you get that done, you just move, go right into the next thing. And there's constant movement, constant mm-hmm. motion. And if you were to do this at the beginning of practice, it would just seem like a rigorous warm-up. But this is at the end of practice. And they think practice is done. And then you now introduce Purple Heart. And well, so then in future years, when it popped up, like they're, they're thinking that this is the worst thing ever. And you have guys that suddenly, you know, are, are unable to practice and, and whatever. Oh, it's Purple Heart. And this, it, it, I think they blew it. And this came up last night. You know, it gets, it was blown out of proportion a little of bit. Of course. Yeah. But and in my mind, it was successful. And they're now looking back at this some 15 years later, some of these players, and they're smiling about it and yeah. talking about it. It was, it was a great unifier. It was a team building, team bonding situation because everybody had to contribute. You, cool. couldn't, you couldn't have a weak link and you had to pull each other to the finish line. But when you, but I can see from their perspective that just on the outside, or if somebody were to just explain the raw components of it without any context of why are we doing this, you could actually look at this and think, oh my gosh, this is just... Unnecessary. This is unnecessary abuse. abuse. This is just, he's punishing them. He hates them. He doesn't like his players. He's mad at them. This This is his way of exercising undue influence, improper influence yeah. upon his players. Power differential, you're, it's a power grab. When in reality, it was like this made us, this made us better. Yeah. This, and it was actually that the mental discipline that was required and the physical uh, requirements were no less different than when we were playing in state championship games when we were playing in region games against you know the best teams in the state and they were taxed they were they were challenged they had to be their best at the end of a tough game but the perspective could easily be oh man why does coach hate hate us why why are we doing this yeah that's that's a great story because being able to look at something like that you know, what, what if, again, going back to these questions, you can ask yourself to help diffuse some of the strong emotions that come up. What if the coach is, is pushing them to try to help them be better? What if that's another way? And I, one of the perspectives I think that gets missed a lot, and it's getting worse with time, not better. Coaches are under so much pressure. There is so much pressure to perform, to produce results, to win 
to keep your players at your school and not have them going to different schools for different reasons to compete with a U program. There's so much pressure on a coach administratively, stacks of paperwork that they have to do, all the little things, all the trainings, all the extra meetings that they get to go to. There's so much that coaches deal with pressure-wise and they feel that. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle a lot. And again, this it's not to invalidate anybody's perspective on what's going on but coaches are under a ton of pressure and not for much. Well, yeah, we're, <laughs> I mean, we're in the high school world. Yeah. And it's a, it's a different world than, than uh, the levels above us where, I mean, I always, I always think like when I see a college coach get fired, <laughs> like I do feel for him because right. I, cause I know, it, I mean, I was never fired. And I, I mean, I guess I always consider that a feather in my cap. Like I was smart enough to leave before they could <laughs> fire me because usually they, there's an old adage in, yep. in sports that you're either being hired or getting fired, getting fired yep. and it's, it's inevitable. But we, you know, high school coaches are not compensated very well. It's, you it's, got a great story about that. I, I, I do. Love it. I, I do. love this story. I mean, it's, it's actually terrible. It does, it like- it's, you, sad, it's sad, but it illustrates this point so well. Yeah, you cannot logically, from a financial perspective, justify being a high school coach. No. It is, you are doing it because, I mean, well, I- It is the, a financially dumb decision. It is, it is really dumb. Yep. Dave Ramsey really dumb. would just throttle you for making which, that choice. <laughs> which is why I just, uh, I have such admiration for my wife yep. because she married stupidity. <laughs> and it, it just- That's why our wives get along because my wife's like, yep, I married stupidity too. Yeah, it's not why they're doing it, but I, I remember- this has now been uh, almost 10 years ago. Well, yeah, it's been, it's been 10 years yeah. ago when I, I decided to step down as coach for, uh, for a multiple of, you know, multiple reasons. And I remember uh, a guy in my neighborhood, very conscientious person, uh, came and talked to me privately and was just was just talking about the whole <laughs> retirement thing, and and I said, well, I'm still teaching, you know. And he said, oh, but uh, you know, I don't want to pry, you know. But can I ask you a personal question? I'm like, well, okay, what? And he said, he he asked me, are you is are you going to be okay financially? And I mean, it was a good thing I didn't have like a <laughs> mouthful of diet coke because I would have spewed it all <laughs> over him. And and I said. I said, what do you, what do you mean? And he said, well, like you're, you're giving up this coaching and I know they pay you for it. And I'm just like, it, it must've looked like I was just mocking him or making fun <laughs> because I couldn't contain my laughter and my, my sarcastic faces I was making. And I said, and then it dawned on me, he's, he's assuming that I'm getting paid well for this, <laughs> this thing. And I said, I said, do you, how much do you think I'm getting paid? And so this is 10 years ago. Uh -huh. it, it hasn't changed much. Now, despite uh, inflation. I know of one school district in the state that did improve it, but it's still, mm -hmm. so from a percentage basis, you would say, oh, wow, that's a great improvement. But overall, uh, it's not very well. But anyway, so back to the story. He, he said, well, he started adding these qualifiers. He said, well, 
you've had a lot of really good teams. So now I'm sitting there thinking, oh, he thinks I'm being paced, based, uh, paid based on based merit yep. and success and wins and, and those things. And he goes, and it's like, this is one of the largest schools in the state. You're like, you, you play the best competition. Like your longevity, you've been there a yeah. long time. And I'm just like still laughing. He's going like, Steve, why are you laughing? And I said, how much do you think they're paying me? And he said, <laughs> um, and I go beyond teaching. I go, right. so I have my teaching salary. And then, you know, which puts me in the one top 1% of America, right? Right. No, not Absolutely. Right. <laughs> no, not right. <laughs> and then he said, uh, he goes, well, I don't know. I'd say like, um, 15 to 20,000 extra. <laughs> Every coach listening right now is <laughs> laughing their heads and off. I was, I was like, I peaked. I peaked at 3,100. It's basically just a percentage on, wow. you know, how long you. And so that is for the year. That's for the calendar year. That's for In my district, we were on one stuff. year. We were on one year coaching contracts and. It was separate from. Yeah, there's no multi-year contract. Yeah, there was no. There was no shoe design. deal. There was no. Right. And and he he was stunned, and his the next line that he said was so telling to me, yes. and it was so uh, it was so awesome. He said, "Oh," I said, "Yeah, don't. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be. <laughs> no, I will be all right. I'm going to be okay." And he said. Uh, Wow, I should have been I should have been nicer to my son's soccer coach because he had <laughs> he had a son that played high school soccer at the same school and he's like I yeah I I should have been nicer I yeah. is that is that true of all the coach I said yeah that's yeah. that's that's true that's it's the same for um, for choir dance yep. drill cheer all the sports yep. It's it's tough, man. Now, and I'm not asking for pity. I'm right. not asking for. I mean, we choose to do it. We choose to do it for the love of the game. And I that that phrase right there. Sorry to jump in, but I I think that's the key in the perspective shift. Coaches don't do this for the money. Like there's, it, you're a high school coach because you love working with the kids. You love the game. You love competition. And I think it's important to use that as a way of approaching these tough emotions. Because that guy sitting over there coaching your kids, most likely in it because he loves them. Because he loves the game, he loves the competition. He's learned something important from the game and he wants to teach those lessons. Or she, sorry. Um, that, that coach is there because they like, like kids. They're not there for the money. <laughs> so can, we, can I ask you a kitchen table question? Yes. I, this made me think of back in the day when I would I would try to, I mean, with my teams, I tried to work as much on culture and life lessons as I did uh, defense and, and offense and, you know, mm -hmm. what we're, what we're going to try to do on Tuesday and Friday nights. And I would often talk about the kitchen table and just ask oh, our yeah. players and say, you don't have, you know, we're really big on con the controllables and, and you, you can't control what you're, what your parents may say about the team or another player or me or any of the other coaches, but what you say at the kitchen table, you can control what you say. And, and basically I was talking about gossip. What, 
you know, what is the danger of like when we get ramped up as a, as a parent thinking that the coach hates our son yeah. or our son <clears throat> or our daughter think that the coach hates them. And these emotions are riding so high. I mean, how, how detrimental is gossip? How, what would you ask? I mean, what question would you ask a parent to try to stop this? Because I think we're all, guilty, about like we're as all a, guilty of as it. A parent sitting in the stands, sitting next to another parent who's fired up? Is that- I need a diffuser right now because my, <laughs> like, I am just, I've been in this spot too. Yes. Like we, I think we've all gossiped. Well, I think we've all. I got fired. Like you didn't, I did. And gossip is a, a large part of that. Like when, when you get parent groups together and they get each other all fired up about this, of like, we got to get rid of this guy and on and on and on. And it's. I think you once told me that there's a special place in hell for people, <laughs> for people who intentionally try to get uh, coaches fired. It's. It's uh, because I know for a fact you never. Uh, it was you Steve, never. Whole, you never stepped into territory where it's a fireable yeah, uh, offense, it, like where there was any abuse or you know the wrongdoing. The hardest thing for me is is living in a world where I don't feel like I made any difference for any of the kids I worked with, and and that. I need to go grab. Like I need, this, I'm going to put down my diffuser and I'm just going to go grab need, it. I'm going to go grab an axe right now and just chop down that tree because that that is not a, an actual tree that grew. What a terrible analogy but that's, that was. But that's but. how I feel because of the situation that went on. And again, perspective shifts. Every person involved has emotions. That coach sitting over there has emotions as well. And I promise you, at least I I can speak only from my situation, but I was never in it to hurt anybody's feelings. I was never in it to make anybody feel like I didn't love them. There's 150,000 things that I could have done different and better. But I was and I didn't feel like I was treated like a person in that. And when the gossip shifts to anything negative, we dehumanize any of the people involved. Mm-hmm. and coaches are humans too and when gossip takes hold the coach now becomes dehumanized and now it's easier to go get rid of them because now they're just a, a thing they're an object right. and coaches again not invalidating anybody else coaches need to think this way too because sometimes in the pressure of trying to win and being competitive coaches do the same thing to players and it doesn't make it right for anybody to do that. And gossip leads down that path of we're dehumanizing people. And it sure sounds to me, we're, we're big on the long-term, yes. short-term, long-term perspective. That's the other really And it sure sounds to me like when I'm hearing you talk about this gossip and this, these heightened emotions and, and all this energy that's the, the wrong kind of energy yeah. flowing is we are so wrapped up in the short term. Yep. So what, I mean, what's a question that we could ask well, parent, the, parents? The parents I've always felt the worst for are the parents that have a pretty good handle on a tough emotional. They might realize that it's a tough situation, but they're dealing with it as well as they can. I'm doing a pretty good job of it. But then they have to sit next to the person who's not dealing with it well. I've always felt so bad for them because that's so hard to be there. 
when, when you're back. feeling it and you're doing your best to fight it off and the person next to you is just letting it fly. That coach is blah, 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 blah. They're going on and on about that. I, I think a lot of it is, is you have to ask the question, and this is one question we love to ask our, our individual clients. How do you want this situation to work out? Uh, it's one of my favorite questions. Rather than going down the rabbit hole with the gossip, pause and say, how do I want this situation to work out? Because you have to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I'm a good person. I don't want this to go. I don't want to mistreat people. I don't want to dehumanize the people involved. I want to treat people well. So if I'm going to treat people well, what's my next right step? And if you're going to a game and you have to sit next to that person that's crazy, what's your next right step? Maybe you do sit with them and try to be their friend. Maybe you have a good enough relationship with them. You can redirect their attention. They might say something, you'd be like, yeah, but you know what? How great for our kids to have this opportunity. What a fun place to be on a Friday night. Where would you rather be? And just shifting the conversation in a positive way. How do you want it to work out with your kids? As a parent, how can you intentionally be there for your kids and help them to handle the tough emotions? And parents have already learned from life situations. Mm -hmm. They're older and surely everybody can look into their past and look at situations that were difficult and tough and have a completely different perspective. I mean, what if parents are looking, thinking five years down the road yeah, when wow. kids are in a real life situation and it's not a, it's not a matter of a, you know, round leather globe, you know, trying to fit it through a metal ring attached to a glass board. And they're really dealing with a challenging situation. Do we want them to be the person that's just quickly resorting to blaming, finger pointing, gossip, or have we taught them that what, what's a different, what's a different way that we can view this? What's a different perspective here? How can we look at this tough situation as something we can benefit from? You had a great experience where you were sitting near a former player that you shared with me. I, I think this is a great place to stick that in. The, the fundamentals one? The, yeah, what? just the guy, the, the guy was behind you at the game. It was oh, just like, hey, yeah. coach. This was last night. I hadn't seen him for years. Uh, he was a terrific player, great shooter. In fact, we... I nicknamed him the assassin because <laughs> he never showed emotion and he was not afraid to take it's big cold. shots. Big shot, Bob. And <laughs> he, would, uh, he, he was a very, very good three-point sh shooter. And he was sitting behind me and his, his, he had four kids there and his <laughs> wife was there. And, and uh, he put his hand on my shoulder and he, he said, I didn't watch much of the game last night, actually, because I was talking to so yeah. many players. It was so, but he said, hey, coach, I just wanted to tell you, I wanted to thank you for uh, what a good coach you were. And I, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back right. here, but what he said was very enlightening and very telling to me, and it, it really goes to the long-term uh, perspective. Because he talked about two phases of his experience. And one was, he said, he goes, besides all of the life lessons that I learned, which that made me feel just... That's cool. Because I really tried to be big on that. Yeah. He goes, besides all of the life lessons that I learned, as I'm now trying to teach my two boys basketball, and they just love it. They can't get enough of it. 
I didn't realize at the time how much you emphasized the fundamentals. And uh, what I was hearing is like you, you have these teenagers that have this, they have this experience with their teenage brain. And then now this is 10 plus years later for him. And he has these two little boys that are just at that age where they're, where they're starting to want to play and pick up the game. And they're so excited about it. And he said, I hear myself. I hear your voice. I hear myself (laughs) saying, and I didn't realize it till, uh, I didn't realize it how much you emphasized the fundamentals. That's cool. And it it made me think, uh, and we discussed this a little bit, but it makes it, it made me think that we have our perspective of what's going on. And Friday night, you might see a coach do certain things. You might, in fact, my wife, I remember one time my (laughs) wife asking me, why were you yelling at so-and-so? I can't even remember the player, the game. And I was laughing. I was like, I was actually, I was telling him how awesome it was. And I can imagine like my body language, I was probably... But from you get fired up, the look on your face. But from the stands, but from the stands, it probably looked like I was asking, like, "What are you doing?" Like, Mm -hmm. and yet, if you would have actually heard the conversation, if you could have drowned out the the cheerleaders, the crowd, the yelling, everything, you would have heard that I was celebrating. A moment of victory because it was something that we had worked on over. We overcame, we had been emphasizing it and he executed it. And that's cool. But the perspective might've looked like, geez, why were you, why were you yelling at him? (laughs) (laughs) You look so intense. Yeah. It's perspective, such a powerful thing. And and we'll start to wrap. If if you've heard anything, if you got any comments on on, uh, what you've heard today, we'd love to hear your stories. Please reach out and share. Uh, Like I said, everybody's got valid emotions involved in this and they're all super high. We'd love to hear from you. Create, transform, become at gmail.com. Feel free. Steve's talked about giving away some merch to the longest email. (laughs) If if your email is longer than three pages, you win. You win a prize. We'll send you a, a mint truffle or something. We'll, uh, Some of Steve's sugar, nice sugar mint truffles. No, we'll take photographs of us yelling it, yelling, and we'll uh, and we'll look really intense. We'll just call it the my coach, my coach, my coach hates you, uh, <laughs> autographed photo. Uh, but yeah, just try to value perspective. Take a take a lap around that elephant. Grab a different part of the elephant. See it from a different perspective. Because whatever challenge you're facing, there's opportunities in there. If your kid says, my coach hates me, what's the opportunity to learn? What can you learn in this situation? What's a different way to look at this that might help you to get more out of it? And those are the questions you can ask your kids. Those are the questions you can ask yourself. Um, and, and you know what? In, in other episodes, we'll talk about having conversations with, with coaches or directors or things like that, that can be a little bit tough to have, but this sets the table for having more constructive conversations, for having better and more productive, um, you know, steps that you can take, you can help your kids take, and you can help them to really learn valuable lessons from it. Awesome. I love it. And parents, I love you.
Yeah, we love you so much. Keep doing it because it's the hardest job on planet Earth and there is not a close second. We look forward to hearing from you. Create, transform, become at gmail.com. See you next time. Peace. On behalf of Steve Galley, I'm Nate Crandall, and we thank you, our loyal listeners, for tuning in to this episode. If you love what you're learning from the Stop Parenting and Start Coaching podcast, we would appreciate it very much if you would leave us a five-star review and some glowing comments. We also encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family who are parents of athletes and performers. And if you want to explore further and see what Steve and I are creating to help thousands of parents, athletes, and performers, please visit our company's website at createtransformbecome.com. That's create, transform, become, all one word, dot com. There you'll find a growing number of resources to help you elevate your performance. Thank you again for your support, and we encourage you to create a magical relationship with your athlete and performer.